Praise God, brothers and sisters. Um, so I'm going to read a quick verse uh, from Romans 12, um, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that, what is that good and acceptable and perfect what is what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So, kind of when when I first started reading this paragraph, it kind of kind of brought me back to how I used to think, like, um, as in I used to think that the way that we need to get to people, as in the way we 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 approach somebody, like we try to get them to know about Christ, I would think that we have to be kind of like them, so they look at us and they're like, oh, this person's similar, so I will listen to them. And it was just, it was just a mindset of mine that I, I used to think like. And it, when you start understanding like, and kind of like really looking into it, it kind of doesn't make any sense about what a Christian really is. And um, the, the more I started kind of looking into it, um, I looked, uh, so the word, um, do not be conformed to this world. So conformed when the definition of conformed is pretty much being like someone. And I searched up the definition because I really like to, a lot of times you read a word and it makes sense, but finding a definition gives it a bit more understanding. And um, the words agreement or harmony came up. And agreement, it kind of brought me not only thinking about conformed to this world. For some reason, I I used to think like, I used to only think, physically, like we're not supposed to look like this world, we're not supposed to act like this world, but a lot of it also comes down to the way we think, the way we are mentally, like in our mind. And so agreement also goes to the way we, we perceive things. So like a big topic now is abortion or like just stuff like that in general, and it's, it's for us to not be like, not be accepting of those things, to not conform. So the agreement part is to not agree with them. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that we should argue or go against what they are like agreeing because they accept that and we should be understanding of that. But it kind of got me thinking on the way that I lived my life, the way that I was around other people. And I noticed that a lot in like high school and even like when I was in college, a lot of it was when I started hanging out with the wrong group of people, or was when I was around the wrong when I was around the wrong people, I started to act like them. I started to conform to what type of person they were, and slowly I began to depart away from from reading, from just being part of part of the Bible, and even getting further away from Christian friends. And it kind of it kind of got me thinking on how like I started hanging out with the opposite friends like I started coming to church a little bit more starting to get more involved and it's I started conforming to their ways and when we are conformed as when we are not conforming to the world there is a difference in us so there is something that people look up to there's a, there's something that people look at and see a difference in because if we are not different than the world then what are why are we why do we call ourselves Christian why are we believers. What difference is there that we can show others that there is a reason to believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? And another verse I want to read is 1 Peter 3.15, and it goes like this, but sanctify the Lord your God 
in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, a reason for the hope that is in you. There must be a difference in you that someone sees that you have hope and for therefore asking you, where do you get your hope from? If, if, we're, not, if we're not reading the word, if we are not trying to understand the word of God and trying to be as like the way Jesus was, how is there any difference? How are people going to see the hope that is within us? If we look all the same, they're not our, the unbelievers, they're not going to look up to us and ask us, how do you have hope? And in the, in the end of times, it talks about how so many people, like, there will be fear, there will, like, but the peace and the hope that Jesus gives us and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that shows us that we are freed from sin, that we are no longer chained to this, to this society of just lawlessness. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to save us, and this is the hope that we should be preaching to others. This is the hope that others should be seeing in us. And this hope that, that we start, we start to, to just grow on, the hope that others see in us, this is the hope that, that Jesus was showing others. Crowds of people were running towards Jesus, not because he was the same like any other person, not because he was a Caesar or somebody great but like on this earth, but because he was different, because he was, he was giving people hope, because people wanted to know more about him. And Jesus gave us the greatest hope ever. He gave us, he gave us the hope of salvation. And um, if, we are, if we are like the world, how are we different? How are people going to find the hope in us? And I just want to get us thinking on how do, we, how do we act? How do we present ourselves to the world? Do we, do we act like the world? Do we dress like the world? Do we persuade people the way the world does? Do we just conform to the world? Are we in agreement to the things that the world is in agreement to? Or do we stand up for our Jesus Christ? And do we try to teach others about Jesus Christ and the hope that is within him, the hope that is in the Bible? Now, I kind of started, you know, getting more into the book, and I started, started understanding things a bit different, where things that I used to be okay with, like music or the things that I would watch or things like that, the more that I started reading the Bible is interesting to me because I started getting more convicted about the things that I was continuing to do. And I started understanding that this is the this is the difference, this is the difference that it speaks of so clearly. There's, the reason why we are so different is because we understand the difference between the world and us, or like the way that we are supposed to be acting, or the way that we are supposed to be in, like in conforming to the, to the Bible. So the more that I was reading the Bible, the more I was conforming to the Word, the more I was conforming to the way the book teaches us to be. And the more, and then I've noticed that I've even, like, I've, I'll fall away or I'll, I'll stop reading the Bible or I'll do something and I'll, and I'll just walk away and then I'll start getting convicted to be reading the Bible more. But what I'll notice is I'll start going back to my old ways and I'll start thinking and I'll start contemplating with myself and telling myself, oh, no, it's okay. My friends say it's okay. But what does the book tell you? What does the Bible tell you? If we are not reading scripture, how are we supposed to decipher what the world is and what the what the book teaches us what Jesus is teaching us. And 
this, this, um, kind of these verses, they just gave me hope. They just gave me happiness because I started seeing that reading this book changes you. Like, I know, like, I used to hear from people, they were like, you know, you're supposed, you read the Bible and uh, over time you'll start changing. And I was like, oh, it, you know, like I didn't really understand it. But when you really start reading it, it's not only a physical change, but it's a mental change. You start thinking different. And the way you think, believe it or not, is the way a lot of people, they, they get attracted to the way like, your mindset is, the way you think, the way you process things. And if, if we're thinking like the world, then we are processing things the same way that they are. But if we are reading the book and we get knowledge from the book and our wisdom comes from the book, then people will come to us because they will see the hope that is within us. And I just want to encourage us to kind of dig into yourself, like dig deep and kind of try to take apart the way, that, the way that you are, the way that you act around people, not only Christians, the way that you act when you are alone or without other Christians around you. Because the truth is that is who we truly are. And so many times, I even remember myself where we tend to forget that Jesus is seeing, like, God watches over everything that we do. There's, there's no hiding. So why are we hiding from other Christians the things that we are doing? Wouldn't that mean that it is not right or it is not righteous? So... I can't swallow. Um, and so... I just want to give us all some hope, some hope that there is a way, there is, there is a path that we could take. I know that it's very tough. I, I, I struggle, I fall, and so many times I, I, get a, I get convicted, and then I hear a thought, and it's like, oh, you're not good enough. You, you better, you know, take some time off or go do this, or like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're too sinful to read the Bible, and I, I heard a preaching, and um, the, the pastor was talking about how God will convict us, but right after that, he'll say, run to him. Like, come to me, because Jesus, Jesus is our hope. He is the one that we should be running to rather than walking away and believing that there is no hope. And so this hope that we have when we sin and we fall back on our knees and we pray to God and we beg him, like, to forgive us, or like we just, we have a hope in our life. This is the hope that the people will be looking for. In, in the end of times when everything is going wrong, this is, Jesus is the hope that people will be seeking. And if we don't strengthen ourselves in the word, if we don't strengthen ourselves with like other people, like in the word of God, the, the biggest blessing that I've had so far is other people who are believers. It is so amazing to be able to get together with somebody and be able to talk about the Bible. It, it's so hard for like, other people to understand, like, why are you so interested in, in a book? Like, why are, you, why are you always trying to talk about the Bible? And I'm like, okay, this is not a right group that I should be with. And a lot of things just start to become so plain and, and simple when before they were so complicated. And I just want to give us some hope that reading the book, so many times it might just seem that we're just, we're just reading through and it's not really getting to us or we can't really understand it, but go through reread. Or the thing that I love doing is pray before you read the book so that it may open up something to you, so that when you talk to others, believe it or not, scriptures that you would read over, you will remember them and you can talk to your friends about them. And you will have hope in the times to come. And I just want us to, I just want to conclude with, 
going back to, um, I want to read 1 Peter 3.15 one more time. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Amen. Now, if we could all pray and we just, we just ask God to, to help us get this hope so that other people may see the difference in us. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Was the call clear? What was the call? To show the hope? Yes. I heard, read your Bible. <laughs> that's what I heard. Read your Bible because that's what will transform your mind and you're not going to confirm to the world. Whatever you're exposed to, you can't help but to be infected or be penetrated, be um, absorbed, whatever is around you, right? And we can't help but pick up the things in the world. I remember in Russia, back in Russia, when uh, Moldova, I'm sorry, there was this thing, it was weird, but every place where you would go, there would be this little, um, you know, little uh, people that went to, to Ukraine, they know what I'm talking about. Little, um, you know, like six by six, um, like a little store. There's a lot of them, and, and they would sell music. And they would have huge speakers that would blast music. They didn't care about whether you like that music or not. It's just blasting. And you could hear it half a mile around you. Every transportation that you would get into was blasting music. And you just can't help but to listen to this music. And it would get stuck in your mind. Until this day, sometimes, it just comes out. And I'm like, asking Natasha, do you remember this song? She's like, yeah. <laughs> it's there. It, it got in. The world around us, it just forcefully converts us. It has an agenda to convert, to transform. And thank you, Joe. The only thing that can transform our mind is the Word of God because He breathed it. He spoke it. <sighs> That's my Word. It's living. It's alive. It can change you and me. It can transform my mind. It can transform your mind. The, f the interesting thing my mom recently told me is that you don't have to understand to obey. And I thought about it. You know, sometimes we want to understand everything. Or I don't understand the Bible. I'm not going to read it. I don't understand this book. I don't understand what Paul wrote here. I'm just going to stop reading. I'm just going to give up. You know, I'm looking at my kids. They're learning to eat on their own, you know, with fork and spoon, and they mess up. They get dirty, and I'm not happy at times. But they don't give up. I know you haven't gave up. 
because you're all alive and I bet you're eating on your own, right? No one is spoon-fed, right? Why do we give up on, why do we don't persevere on a daily Bible reading, on feeding on, on the book, on the Bible, on God's Word? Amen? Let's persevere. Let's do that. Um, so we can grow. So we can grow. I'm going to introduce uh, a person here, but before I do that, I want to say thank you for the people that came out this Saturday and helped clean up uh, the school building. We're getting very close uh, with finishing that, and there was a call to people who was able to come out and, and do that work. So thank you. Uh, if you had an intention to come out, but you didn't, um, next try, time, try to, to be there. Um, uh, but thank you for those who came out, actually, and helped, and those who reached out to those people as well. You know, there's some positions or some work that is not seen. You know, somebody set up that chair that you're sitting on, and uh, we, as soon as come in, we sit down and say, praise the Lord, somebody thought of me, and they put a chair for me, right? No, I don't do that. I rarely remember about that. Um, but somebody did that, right? And made the Lord reward them. So there's some work that is done behind the scenes that we don't see. We see the preachers, right? We see the worship team leaders. We see other people. But we don't see the people that do background work. One of those people is, uh, I'm going to invite her here, Natasha. She is our financial uh, person. She takes care of all of our finances so we don't go broke as youth. And I'll tell you, she's, she's really good at it. Uh, God bless you, Natasha. Okay, yes. All right. Thank you for the introduction. Um, right off the bat, I just want to apologize for my public speaking skills. Um, I'm not up here very often talking, so um, can we like get the lights a little bit lower and the PowerPoint on? Okay. All right, so, um, so yeah, basically an introduction. We have a youth fund, as you guys all probably already know. Um, it's separate from our regular church fund, so we can do all our fun little things um, that we like to do. So basically how it works is we have so three separate funds. We have a general fund, we have a missions fund, and we have a youth center fund. So the general fund is kind of like our everyday, like, um, yeah, everyday sort of expenses or like events, that sort of thing. Missions, obviously, for missionary work, um, speakers, that sort of thing. And then Youth Center, we're saving up to contribute to our Youth Center that's going to be built. So, um, yes. So, okay, so sources of income. Um, our main sources of income is offering and then also events that we do, like New Year's and camps. So last year, 2018, we collected um, a little bit over dollars in offering. That's including Tuesday offerings um, and then also text to give. For those who don't know, we have a platform where you can text in a donation. Um, and then also like fundraisers. We did a fundra piano fundraiser last year um, and we, we raised quite a bit of, of money that we didn't spend on a piano. Uh, we bought a piano, we just didn't spend all of it on a piano. So um, the leftover is also... Uh, you know, income for us. Um, our 
two kind of big main events during the year um, are New Year's and Youth Camp. So these are, um, they're designed to kind of pay for themselves. So um, you buy a ticket um, and then that money gets used for all the expenses that, you know, come along with that event. So um, last year, New Year's, we, no, sorry, that's not last year, that's this year, 2019. Um, you guys heard about last New Year's last year. So um, this year, New Year's, um, it produced, we had leftover of dollars, and then last year's youth camp, um, it actually, unfortunately, this year was a loss for us. Um, so we were a little bit in the hole, that's okay. Um, it's because not a lot of us went to youth camp. <laughs> So this year, hopefully more of us go. Um, and then just if anyone's kind of interested where our money usually goes. Um, so our money goes to iGathers, events, when people, um, when other youths come visit us um, and we host, we have like refreshments and everything. That's, um, you know, we pay for that from our general youth fund. Um, and then also mission work. So for those of you who don't know, we also donate to the Ukraine and Moldova mission trips every year. And then also any, any speakers that might come and visit us, um, any preachers from like Russia, Ukraine, wherever they're from, um, we also try to give a little bit to them. Um, and then real quick, I just, um, I just wanna share a quick testimony about this last New Year's. So, um, So I don't know if anyone remembers uh, that break-in, that car break-in we had back in January, where like three or four cars <laughs> got broken into. Anyone? No? Okay, yeah, you guys all remember. All right, um, so I was late to church that day, um, and I, for some reason, like, I was supposed to, well, I'm in charge of like handing out, you know, reimbursements and everything like that, so for some reason, I had not been able, it was like mid-January, I had not been able to give our caterer, the people who did our food, um, they hadn't gotten their money yet. So I was just like driving it around with me everywhere, every time I went to church, like trying to run into uh, and it just was not working out for us, like we were always missing each other. Anyway, so I, and I had that envelope like in my car, and it was like close to $4,000. So, um... And I always kept it locked and like, you know, in a really secret safe place in my glove compartment. <laughs> but it was always locked. Anyway, so um, yeah, that day, for some reason, I needed something from my glove compartment. I unlocked it and I was like rushing because I was late to church. So um, I just like left it unlocked. I completely forgot about it. I spaced out. Um, and then also I had like my, my wallet, my own personal money in there, just like chilling kind of in like the center console. Um, another really irresponsible thing I do. <laughs> anyway, um, so that night, um, just church as usual, and then after church, one of my cousins comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, it's a good thing your car didn't get broken into, and I was like, what, what are you talking about? Um, and he's like, yeah, there's like a bunch of cars out there that just got broken into, and I was like, what? And it's like dawning on me, and I'm like not even believing it. So I go out there, and literally, it's like the three cars next to me got broken into, into. And then there was like a space, and then it was my car. And like, it was completely untouched. So praise God for that. Like, 
that wasn't just, you know, it'd be, it's terrible when like your own personal stuff gets stolen, but like when it's someone else's funds, then, you know, praise God that we didn't have to go through that, you know, that would have been terrible. Anyway, yes, <laughs> praise God. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Just a little bit earlier, Dennis was talking about how we cannot walk into the world, we cannot walk into darkness and believe that we can somehow walk away un untouched, unstained, un unaffected by it. We cannot walk into this world and walk away thinking that it will not do something to us. It will not change us. And if the Lord gives me a lot of grace and mercy today, I wanted to talk on spiritual warfare. This is something that was on my mind very, very strong. I had a very strong impression on this. And I said, Lord, if you want me to preach on something like this, you need to give me mercy and grace. And so the first place I wanted to read from was the book of Daniel. This is one of the clearest places we have in the scripture of what spiritual warfare looks like. This is the book of Daniel chapter 10. And so this is the context. Daniel decides to have 21 days, to set apart 21 days to mourn for his people, to mourn over the prophecy, because he wanted to understand what was God's plan. So, you know, from what he understood, everything had been done, the captivity was ending, but he just wasn't sure what the prophecies were meaning. And he had this 21-day, you could call it a fast, where he said, Lord, I will not eat anything pleasant. Lord, I will not drink any wine. I will not eat any meat. I will mourn for these 21 days. And so this is the answer he receives. Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So an angel visits Daniel and says, Daniel, from the very first day that you decided to pray to me, God is saying this through his angel, from the very first day you decided to understand what my plan was and you humbled yourself before me, I answered your prayer the very first day. But because of this battle, because of this spiritual war that was going on, it was delayed for 21 days. The Lord had already answered Daniel, and he had already sent the message by his messenger, the angel. But for 21 days, it was delayed. And brothers and sisters, the first principle I want us to take here tonight is this. There is a battle, and it is invisible. There is a war going on every single day that you and I do not see. And maybe just like Daniel, we are praying to the Lord. We are praying 
God, give me grace. Give me mercy. Would you answer me in this? And the Lord says, I will answer you. I've sent my message. But for whatever reason, there's a war going on. And in this war that is going on, we must fight. The Bible has told us what we, what you and I need to do if we are to withstand these battles, these fights. And in the case of Daniel, people say those 21 days where he was mourning or fasting was what helped that angel defeat that battle. Those 21 days of Daniel praying and mourning helped get that message to him. It was delayed, but he received it after 21 days. And my question to us is, how often do we get discouraged after one week, after two weeks? How many times do we not even get to a month where we say, Lord, I don't want to pray about that anymore. Lord, you've given me your answer. And all the while, for all we know, there is a spiritual battle. And the Lord, from the very first day you decided to seek him, said, I will answer you, sister. I will answer you, brother. Or in his case, he would say, my daughter or my son, I will answer you. But there is a spiritual battle. And so, what do we do? How do we participate in this spiritual battle? In this war that we do not see, this invisible battle, what do you and I have to do with it? How can we participate? And this is where we turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And many of you may be familiar. You may have heard this verse before, but that's okay. We'll look a little bit deeper into it. This is the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I wanted to stop there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. One time I came up to a pastor and I said, what do you think of the security that we now have at church? This is when it first started coming out. They were training young men, nice, young, tall, strong men to be our security. And I said, what do you think of the security? And you know what he did? He quoted scripture to me. He quoted Psalm 127. And he said this, Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And when he answered, I said, that's why he's a pastor and I'm not. It was such wisdom. And I said, Lord, it is absolutely true. There is so much that we can do. But if you are not working in the spiritual places, the watchman guards the city in vain. And here we read this again. We see, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. The things that we see are not the target. The things that we do not see are the target. The things you should be worried and concerned about and cautious about are not the things that you see. It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities. It's powers. It's rulers of the darkness and the wicked hosts and the evil. It is the things that you and I have not seen, and you and I may never see. We may live our whole lives and never see anything of that sort. 
And so how do we fight something that we cannot see? If I am fighting and being cautious for something that I cannot see, and I can't really control, I don't think I can control, what do I do? And he says this in verse 13 onward, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. So this armor, is this armor visible? Is this armor something that I have in my closet that I just put on, take off? Is this armor visible? Of of course it's not. This breastplate, I don't have a breastplate of righteousness hanging around in my trunk, guys. This armor is invisible. This armor is spiritual. If we wish to withstand against the darkness and the rulers of this age and the devil himself, we need to fight on his terms. That is the spiritual terms. And the Lord has given us the means by which we can withstand the devil in that evil day. And it's this. Girding your waist with truth. What is the truth? Jesus said when he was praying, sanctify them by your truth. And what is that truth? Your word is truth. This word of God is truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? Obedience to God. Holiness. Living in a way that pleases God. And so moving on we see having shod your feet, putting on these shoes, which are the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do you understand what the gospel is? Do you understand what the gospel message of peace is? Can you deliver this message to someone? Are you equipped with these shoes to go and share the good news with someone? Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And when we get to the shield and the sword, I always like to think of it like this. I always like to draw a picture in my own mind, and I say, Lord, if you could show me right now, just hang up in the air, just what does my shield look like? Lord, if I could visibly see this shield, my God, how great, how small, how strong would this shield be? In other words, Lord, what is my faith like? It is only by faith that we can quench all of the fiery darts that the devil throws at us. When the devil is discouraging you and the devil says, the Lord cannot forgive you, you've messed up too much. The Lord cannot use you, you've gone too far. Do you have the faith to say, no, I don't agree? 
Do you have the faith to say, Lord, by your blood I am made white as snow? Do you have that faith? Do you have the faith to say, nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ? Do you have that faith? And if you have this faith, every single doubt that the devil throws at you is overcome. Every single dart that the devil will throw at you, you will be able to defend with ease. You will be able to easily defend it. And moving on, it says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And I also think this, Lord, if I could see what my sword looks like. And of course, when I give you this example, understand that this comes from me. This isn't something in the Bible or anything. But I say, Lord, if I could imagine that the knowledge that I have about your Bible, if I could make it look like a sword, what would that sword look like, Lord? And sometimes I will say, today, my sword was probably a lot like a butter knife, Lord. Lord God, I've been neglecting to read your word, and today my sword is looking really small, Lord. Lord, I don't think my sword is very sharp. I don't think it has a sharp edge anywhere. Brothers and sisters, when you look at your knowledge of the word of God, ask yourself, what would my sword look like? When I am in the Word of God every single day and you start conforming into the image of the Word of God and that sword starts getting very large, very strong, and really awesome, it is so easy to fight against the devil. When we are constantly in the Word of God, that sword is sharper than ever and those doubts that used to be a problem are no problem anymore whatsoever. Something I used to struggle with It's no problem whatsoever. Why? Because as I grow in my knowledge of the Word of God and I learn how to use my senses, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Paul says this, or the author of the book of Hebrews, no one knows certainly who it is. He says this, By now you ought to be teachers, but you're still spiritual babes. By now you should have been receiving the meat, the serious spiritual food, I can't give you more than milk. Why? Because the one who is an adult spiritually is the one who has his senses exercised. The one who can discern good and evil and is practicing it constantly. And if I am not practicing my senses, if I cannot discern good from evil, I cannot use this word of God effectively. And it's not that the word of God is not powerful. The word of God is amazing. The Word of God takes down all strongholds. The Word of God is eternal. The Word is powerful. The question is, do you know how to wield it? Do you know how to use the Word of God? Do you have a basic understanding of God's Word? When a doubt comes into your life, where do you go? Do you go to your friends? Do you go to an adult? Do you go to a pastor? Those may be great people to go to, but what if you just opened your Bible and you said, Lord... How can I get through this? And so moving on, it says this. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Very recently, I was listening to a sermon, and this gentleman was a doctor, and he said this, the devil has got us all figured out. We've made it easy for him. He said this, we take our godly young people, we take our youth leaders, we take everyone that is serving. 
we put them in one room. We bring them together and we say, how could we improve our evangelism strategy? What can we do to increase our numbers? What could we do? What kind of conference could we bring in? What speaker could we bring in? What can we do differently? And the devil's like, they're all in one room. And I, I can't separate them from the love of Christ. They're saved. They're completely secure in Christ. But let me distract them. Let me get them so busy that they will do everything except pray. How often have I prepared for a sermon maybe or for a lesson in Saturday school or for a retreat? And I look back and I say, God, it turned out okay, but in all honesty, I did not pray very much. Lord God, no kids got hurt on that trip or on that hike, but Lord, I think we prayed like five minutes for this whole trip. Lord God, I know I'm having this crisis in my life right now, but I haven't been praying. And the devil is distracting us. The devil is keeping us busy with things that are so spiritual. We think so spiritual. Goals. We want goals. We want to change something. We want to make moves. And we forget to pray. We need to pray always. And I was thinking, my brother Michael, I have this, I have this younger brother named Michael. He's younger than me by a year, but he's taller. He also has a lot of facial hair. He's really big looking, real sturdy. He's getting married in two months. God bless that young man. And sometimes we'll get together and we'll talk about spiritual things. And although he likes to talk and say, oh, Dennis, you're older, you're wiser, it all, for me, it came into my thighs, it went into your brains, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes he speaks and it's as if God speaks. And the Lord does this through the Holy Spirit, through all of you sisters and through all of you brothers. You don't realize it. You sisters do not realize it, but when someone is discouraged and you talk to them and you share the words of life with them, the Lord did that. You didn't even realize it. And same with you, young men. When someone comes up to you and you haven't seen him in a long time and you testify to them how God has been treating you so well lately, how by his mercy he is changing you every single day. God is using you. You don't even realize it. And in the same way, my brother came up to me. And this was several years ago. I used to be a big fan of internet forums. I love to read internet forums. Specifically, there was this website, and I'm not sure if you females would you know, know this website. Maybe some of you young men will. I like to browse a lot of Reddit. And see, I would browse Reddit, and I told myself, I'm just keeping up with the times. I just want to know what's going on in the news. I'm just following along. There's so many crazy things going on in society. I need to know, Lord. And so I would browse this website, Reddit. And my brother saw, and he knew, and he was a good brother. And he said to me, Dennis, why are you going on that website? When you go on that website, there's so much garbage on there. There's so many things that you should not read that are on there. I said, brother, you don't understand. I'm just keeping up with the times. And he said this to me, and I remember it to this day. You going to Reddit for the news is like you walking into a bar to get a newspaper. You're going to get the newspaper. You're going to get the news. But how many things are you going to have to walk through and around and buy to get that news? And I'll be honest, he was understating it. It was more like a club, not a bar. It was worse than a bar. The things that I saw on my way to reading these news, on my way to figuring out what was going on in the political sphere, 
I saw so much garbage, brothers and sisters. I saw so much sinful things and thinkings and theologies and wisdom from this world that to this day, it comes up to me, and I'm reminded of it, and I have to resist these thoughts. To this day, what I saw years ago will creep up on me, and I'll have to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I know where the compromise started. Andre spoke on compromises last week. God, I know it did not get to this place in one day. It took a week. It took a month. It took half a year. Here I am, Father. And it all started with this compromise. I just want to know what's going on, God. Lord, I just need to know what's happening around me. I need to know what's happening with Trump tweets. And to think that I could walk through this bar, through this club, through this world, and not be stained is delusional. It is delusional, brothers and sisters. I was delusional to think that I could pick apart the good parts and throw away all the bad. To this day, those bad parts are still in my mind. To this day, I need to reject those bad parts. And to this day, I am ashamed of some of those bad parts. And I thank the Lord that by the Holy Spirit, he used my brother and he spoke to me and he said to me, Dennis, you going on to Reddit and having such a, such a foolish excuse, just following the news, is like you walking into a bar to get a newspaper. And it was absolutely right. And very often... With social media, I feel exactly the same way. I thank God that I don't have any social media at the moment I used to back in the day. And I know some of the, some of the dumbest things I've seen recently is when I look over my shoulder to the person next to me, and they're on Snapchat or Instagram, and I'm watching them scroll through their feed where some ads will pop up, and I say, I don't judge them because I was doing exactly the same thing. But in my mind, I say, Lord, how delusional are we to think that we can use this world and walk away unstained? How foolish do I need to be to think that I could walk around this bar and I could just pick apart the good parts and that it will not affect me? How delusional was I to think that I could read all these forums with all this cursing and all this garbage and all these photos? and think that none of them would stick to me. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this age. The darkness, the evil hosts, the things we do not see are what we fight against every single day. So what do we do? How do we overcome? Yes, we have this armor of God, Yes, I'm working on it. I don't have a really good knowledge of the Bible. My sword might not be the sharpest or the greatest, but what do I do? I'm going to try praying a little bit longer, Dennis. What do I do? Can we win? I am being bombarded with the things of this world. What can I do? I'm really happy that you asked. There's this scripture that I want to turn to last. This is Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. starting at verse 11. And we're going to have some spiritual terminology going on here. But don't be confused with that. We'll go through that. This is Colossians 2, verse 11. 
in him, being Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Brothers and sisters, I haven't been buried. Uh, what is it talking about here? It's, it's the invisible again. In the invisible world, you have been spiritually buried with Christ. You have been spiritually joined to his crucifixion. And just like Jesus was crucified on the cross, your spirit and your flesh has been crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. Amen? And in the same exact way that he rose from the dead, I spiritually have been raised from the dead. And this flesh that used to be dead to sin, and I was enslaved to it, I am now set free. Let's continue. Verse 13, And you, being dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Brothers and sisters, you and I had a debt. You and I owed a very, very large sum. And this sum was only payable by our death. Eternal condemnation. The payment that you and I had, the debt that was hanging above our heads, was too great for us. And if we were to pay it, we would be dead. And Jesus said, and I want you, when you take these verses, very practical, I do this myself. Whenever you say to yourself, Lord, I've sinned again. Remember, think of every sin you've committed. And remember, it was nailed to the cross that handwriting of requirements, that debt that was hanging above you was nailed to the cross. And when it was nailed to the cross, it was separated from you. And here is the part that I wanted to emphasize. Verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Brothers and sisters, the spiritual darkness, the hosts of evil and wickedness and any evil thing you can imagine, whatever snare the devil had, whatever chain he had on you, is gone. It's disarmed. Whatever hold death and sin clinged onto you, and it had a right to it because of your sin, all of it has been disarmed. It's been removed. It has been removed. If you have a sinful addiction and you are in Christ, it does not have a hold over you. When I struggled with my personal addictions and sinful habits, do you know what freed me? When I read the scripture and it said to me, you are never tempted beyond what you can bear. Lord, I am never tempted beyond what I can bear. You always make a way out for me. For some reason, these temptations are, st I can overcome them now. You take the word of God and you say, Lord, 
What is happening in my life? I cannot explain. Everything seems to be in order. I am saved. I do go to church. I have godly friends. But why am I losing in these areas of my life? Are you walking with the armor of God? Or do you take half of it off when you go hang out with your friends? Do you have the armor of God on only temporarily on Sunday service? Do you have the armor of God on one day out of the week? Is it possible that you are not praying? God is working. He is working in your life. But there is a battle going on that you do not see. And you not praying is not helping it come faster. I will tell you that. Every stronghold, every claim the devil had, every claim sin and death had on you is gone. It is disarmed. It no longer has power over you. In fact, it says Jesus made a public spectacle over them. When the devil finally saw Jesus dead on that cross, he thought he won. And when he saw him laying in the tomb, he thought, we got him. We got the Son of God. He is dead. We have won. He rose from the grave. And he said this. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come. He will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Judgment because the ruler of this world is being judged. Who is that ruler? It is the devil. The devil was judged at the cross. The devil was judged at the cross. And his sentence was defeat. The devil was defeated at the cross. There is no longer a spiritual hold over you. There is nothing that is stopping you or preventing you other than your lack of faith, your lack of trust in the Word of God, from growing. There's nothing stopping you from exercising your senses, understanding the Word of God, growing in faith, and being an unstoppable Christian. There's absolutely nothing stopping us, brothers and sisters. They have all been disarmed. There is no demon. There is no devil that has not been overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. If it was my own strength, I would have a problem. If it was my own righteousness, go ahead, tell me that it won't work out. But it's the blood of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. It is the blood of the Son of God. It has been completely disarmed. Take every sin you've committed, every sin you may commit in the future. And when you say, Lord, maybe this time it was too far. Lord, maybe today I went too far. And the devil starts discouraging you, remember. It was all nailed to the cross. Everything you've done has been nailed to the cross. And if you will walk with the armor of God, with that truth, the word of God in your life, with that helmet of salvation, with that breastplate of righteousness, obeying the word of God, living in a way that conforms to the word of God, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If you can combine this all with your shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you start praying, the violent will take the kingdom by force, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? You will start to see change in your Christian walk you will start to see the Lord working inside of you. Not because he wasn't working before, but because you have put your faith in him. And you said, Lord, I'm not sure what's happening. I can't see. 
This war is invisible. I cannot see it, my God, but I will trust in you. And when I have myself fully armored in this armor, I will not walk to those places I used to walk. When my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I will not walk into that bar. When these feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I will not walk to those places where I used to sin. When this breastplate of righteousness is on me and I'm obedient to the word of God, I will not be stained by the things of this world. I will not allow this world to feed me through my eyes and through my ears the things that I hear and the things that I was watching on the internet, for example. When I have this helmet of salvation on and I am decked from head to toe in this spiritual armor, The Bible says you will be able to withstand in that evil day. You will be able to withstand in that evil day. Let us not get distracted. The important things are the spiritual things. The important things are prayer, reading the word of God. Whatever happened to God, what is a practical Christianity? Reading the Bible, praying having godly friends, being careful of what we allow into our eyes and into our ears, being careful of what we see. Whatever happened to that practical godliness? And if we do this, and if we will claim, and we will hold on to these promises that everything has been disarmed, and that there is no chain, there is nothing holding me down, then I can grow. I will be spiritually mature. I will be a godly man. Or you can say, I will be a godly woman and I will stand not in my own strength in fact we're kind of weak out here we're not very beautiful we're not very special we're not very wise we stutter when we preach we're not the greatest but my armor you can't see it but it looks really good guys the armor that you and I have we can't see it but I guarantee you you will be able to withstand and so as we get on our knees and pray let us ask the Lord Show us where we have been compromising. My God, show me where I have not been putting on the armor of God and teach me to walk in it always. Let's pray.